Welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim. Join host Dan Melnick and Kasim Masood as they explore big ideas, limitless possibilities, and engage with visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders who dare to dream big, get inspired, motivated, and find practical tips for personal growth. Think big, dream bigger, and ignite your potential. Welcome to Think Big with Dana Cosme. We have you filling in for Cosme today, and our guest today is Hello Fold. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us what you do for a living and where you live. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what do I do for a living? That's, I mean, how long do we have? Um, I would say I, I try to amplify the, uh, the ideas and the voices out of Israel as it pertains to technology and try to help elevate uh, the Israeli tech scene around the world. That's what I do, and uh, I live in Israel. Awesome. So how did you get started into doing what what you're doing today and being involved in Israeli tech? Um, well, I moved to Israel when I was 15, um, and I always had a love, a deep love for technology. And um, basically, my first job, I'm just sitting at my job one day, bored out of my mind, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, I, I love tech. I love writing. I'm going to start writing. And I started what we call today blogging. Uh, that wasn't a thing back then, but um, I didn't have a business model. I didn't, you know, there was, it was a diary from my perspective, but Pretty quickly, I understood that the power of content is is insane, and entrepreneurs start to reach out to me, and the rest is history. Awesome. <laughs> so when you first started blogging in those days, where were you publishing your blog, and how are people finding your blog? So I wasn't calling it a blog because that wasn't a word, uh, but I bought a domain, techandmarketing.com, attached it to WordPress, just started writing. I, I honestly did not uh, you know, depend on traffic, didn't do any SEO, none of that stuff. But people found me through search uh, because it was a pretty not competitive market back then. It wasn't saturated like today. And so, you know, entrepreneurs just come across my articles and reach out and ask to meet and meet them and try to help. And one thing led to another. And here I am. So as of right now, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, let's see. I wake up, I'd say around six-ish. Um, I switch off with my wife every day. Who makes coffee? Uh, we, uh, we have coffee. I do some uh, some some wordle goodness with my wife. Uh, and, um, and then I, I have my kind of morning routine on social media. So I do a shout out to all my friends whose birthday it is that day. Uh, I do a daily gratitude list. Um, and I feature someone every day on, on social, some, someone remarkable who I've met, uh, in my career. And I write a post about them and why I think they're remarkable. Um, I then pray, go to Tel Aviv and spend the whole day in a cafe meeting entrepreneurs morning to night. Awesome. So you live in Jerusalem, but you go to Tel Aviv and you spend your days there? I don't live in Jerusalem. I live in a place called Beit Shemesh, in between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm in Tel Aviv every day except for Sundays. Sundays, I'm uh, I'm usually in Beit Shemesh meeting people locally. I've uh, been in Israel for 30 years. I'm still not used to working on Sunday, so I just keep <laughs> it light on Sundays. Makes sense. Now, I'm curious, if you had to describe yourself like what you're – your, your role, what your your business, your job is, because like I'm, I'm, I was looking you up earlier. I've heard of you before. Here, global speaker, startup guy, marketing dude, transforming startups. That's on your website. Wikipedia describes you as technology business advisor, blogger, vlogger, high tech industry guidance for startup companies. You do a lot. I guess what what uh what would you say if you hit narrowed it down? What's your niche? I narrowed it down. I'd say four things. Uh, the first thing is startups that reach out and you know need help with marketing, and I'm happy to help. No strings attached. And then a small percentage of those companies come back, and we work together in formal capacity. And that's my livelihood. I work with them on marketing, so PR, social, content, business, fundraising, whatever it is. 
hat number two is all the content. So I write for basically every leading tech publication in the world from Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, TechCrunch, The Next Web, Venturebeat, all those guys. I do a lot of video content. Um, I have a vlog. I have 30-second marketing tips that I do. I have uh, my own podcast, audio. So I do a, a bunch of content. Um, I do a lot of public speaking. And I work with a lot of the Fortune 500s as like a influencer, ambassador, whatever stupid word you want to use. So I work with Google. I work with Oracle. I work with Microsoft. I work with Huawei and a couple others. And basically, just to sum it all up, I'm a kid in a candy store who's just playing along, <laughs> pretending that he knows what he's doing and having a good time. Best job, best job to have. <laughs> if um, since you mentioned like when you first started, I and mean, this is before the term blogging came around, but you first started writing. I guess nowadays, since it's so saturated, if you had someone else who wanted to get into it, to um, influencing writing, I guess do you have any like any tips that maybe you wish you had known back then, or you'd learned over the years? Yeah, volume. That's it. Period. Full stop. That's it. Quantity over quality. Produce as much content as you can. It has to be okay. It can't be crap, but it doesn't have to be Pulitzer award-winning, but consistency is the most important thing. The more you write, the more people talk about you on the internet. The more people talk about you, the more they link to you. The more they link to you, the more Google notices you, and then it's game over. Hmm. So what would you say the role of technology plays in your day-to-day -day life? It doesn't play a role. It is my day-to-day -day life. <laughs> I mean, everything I do is technology. I mean, um, you know, I guess it depends what you how you define technology, but I'm meeting, you know, technology entrepreneurs all day, every day. Uh, I'm working with technology companies. I'm writing about technology. You know, I'm, I live and breathe technology. So, you know, it's it's basically everything to me. I mean, I have, you know, we all have a lot of passions. Tech isn't my only passion. I love cars. I love food. I love Israel. I love Judaism. Um, but, you know, definitely my my core is, uh, you know, definitely tech. So it's it's everything. For sure. So you said that you've worked with lots of startups. Like, What would you say in the years of you doing this separates the ones that have been successful compared to the ones that have not been? Well, obviously, you know, it's it's not like a one answer because then everyone would do it, right? But, um, you know, there are some, I would say, dominant characteristics that I find amongst uh, the winning entrepreneurs. So there's definitely resilience, which, you know, isn't sexy to get up and, you know, kind of brush yourself off and keep going. It's not it's not sexy. It's not easy. It's not fun. But the, the winners are the ones that are able to do that, that are able to fail and continue to go. Um, I would say resourcefulness is very important. Like, you know, today, uh, I'll just tell you a funny story. Uh, I, I'm looking for someone to run my YouTube channel, like who knows YouTube SEO, right? And so I, I just posted about it and I said, who do I know? And some some agency reached out and they're like, oh, you know, we do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, great. You know, check out my channel. Let me know, you know, what you think you do. And they're like, could you send us the link? I'm like, you want to run my YouTube channel and it's hard for you to Google my name and the word YouTube? Like you can't <laughs> find my channel. Like if you can't find my channel, then I think we have we have bigger problems here. And so like when someone says to me like, oh, you know, I want to meet you. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Send a calendar invite. They're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Well, then, like, you know, if you can't Google and figure out how to write a calendar invite, then, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, condescending or pretentious, but like, dude, really, like, be a little resourceful. So resourcefulness is very, very important. And and at the risk of sounding cliche, but things become cliche because they're true, um, it's all about modesty, right? There, there's it, It's an unbelievable thing because there really is a direct correlation that I see between success and modesty and humility, right? You would think if someone succeeds, then they'd have a little bit of an ego, but the, tr the opposite is the truth. I see the the biggest entrepreneurs that I meet are the most humble. So those are the things that I I find amongst uh, you know the, the successful entrepreneurs that I've met throughout my career. Awesome. So what would you say is the role of things like AI and blockchain and crypto? Do you think that those things are trends, or they're here to stay? Are they helping you know a tech world, or tech companies that you're working with today? 
well, I, I'm going to push back on your premise and say that I don't know why you're bundling AI and crypto and blockchain <laughs> in the same sentence. Okay, fair uh, enough. Because crypto, so again, all three of those things are very different. Blockchain fundamentally is a technology that is obviously here to stay. As far as I'm concerned, like many people have said before me, it's it's the internet. It's the early days of the internet. Fundamentally, it's a technology that will always be here. The application of that technology is yet to be seen. And crypto is sure as hell not it, right? I don't care what anyone tells me. I refuse to believe that something has value because people say it has value. Like I will never buy that. That's not, by the way, and I could push back and say, so does the dollar bill, right? But if you can't find an application or a use case for crypto, don't tell me that it's worth something because it's there's zero value there. So, you know, I think if someone's able to crack the actual utility of crypto, figure out what we could actually do with it, then we have what to talk about. I, I met with an entrepreneur last night who uh, is using crypto to enable, um, let's call it novices, newbies, or you know, beginners to trade the markets. Instead of going and opening a, you know, some some fancy account and figuring out how to buy stocks, you just buy crypto, one click on the internet, and you just bought a stock. That's kind of cool, right? But if you'd ask me, blockchain's here to stay for sure. Crypto in its current format absolutely is not. Either is NFTs. Don't even get me started. Uh, but um, but AI, AI's AI's it's a stupid conversation. Honestly, AI is everything. There's literally not uh, right now. My webcam is using AI, right? Like everything we're doing is AI right now. This this audio is being is being analyzed and and optimized by AI. Everything is AI. So when a company says to me we're an AI company, that's like okay, and I breathe oxygen. Like what? That's not. That's not a thing. Everything has AI, right? So it's again, it's a question of what we do with it. And oftentimes we have technology that we, you know, that we invent or whatever it may be, and we just don't know what to do with it. We try to force the issue, right? Like VR. Wow, VR is amazing. Really? Like what, what are you gonna do with it? How's it gonna enhance your life in any way, shape, or form? Oh, it's amazing. You're in another world. Beautiful. Great. How's it gonna enhance your life? It's not. We've yet to figure out a use case for it. So it's nice that we have this tech, but big question is how we're gonna apply it. And so What's amazing recently, but the big breakthrough of generative AI is we actually now are able to, like I said, enhance our lives using AI because ChatGPT and all these things can actually make our lives better if used properly. So that's the big you know, news here. It's not the AI. AI always existed. It's what the, the ability to take AI and actually apply it to our lives. So just to answer your question, blockchain, crypto, and AI have about zero in common, and they should not be mentioned in the same sentence. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Hillel, I was wondering, um, obviously, you're a proud Jew. We were a Kippa, um, living in Israel, um, Beit Shemesh. What a... Uh, I guess what are some like big like how how does how has Judaism influenced your lives? Like what are some big key things that you really it's guided your your business journey and just your life in general? So it's interesting. I um you know I'm pretty active on social media and uh, you know I sign off for Shabbat every Friday and I just kind of started a thing many many like a decade ago where I just like announced that I'm signing off and you know I learned the the weekly Torah portion and I started to realize that there's there's an interesting kind of theme that I'm noticing which is that. All of the lessons that I teach entrepreneurs on, on business and tech, it's all in the Torah, like literally all in the Torah. And so I started to look at the weekly portion and be like, wow, there are lessons here for business. So about, I don't know, five years ago, every weekend when I sign off, I share that post with a business lesson or I, was, I should say a leadership lesson from the Torah portion. And I've kept it up now for four or five cycles of the entire Torah, which is bananas. Uh, so to me, like Torah is, is it's, it's a part of everything that I do right now. I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm some kind of righteous, like never do anything wrong kind of Jew. That's not at all the case, but Torah is, you know, I don't view it as a different kind of discipline of, you know, Oh, there's tech, there's business and there's Torah. No, to me, it's all one and the same. Um, and, and, and I'm, and I mean like every single Torah portion, like it's unbelievable to see there's always something to be said about business and leadership 
from the Torah. What was last week's parsha? I'm trying to give it a good example. What are we up to? We're on um Ray the the Shabbat. Yeah, Akev, right? Akev. So oh, right, Akev. So Akev last week was was the famous, the most famous, you know, I would say verse in Jewish scripture, Shema Israel, hero Israel, right? So I, I usually often base my thoughts on Rabbi Sachs, the former uh, chief rabbi of, yeah. of England, uh, who tragically died of cancer and is my biggest regret not having met him in my entire life, literally my biggest regret. But uh, I usually base my stuff on his stuff. I almost always love what he has to say. And he asked a very simple question. He is, why is it hero Israel? Why not CEO Israel? Like yeah. if, we, if we want to know God, why, why are we focusing on hearing versus sight or versus feeling, right? Because seeing is believing, right? Science is you need to see it. You need to feel it. You need not hear it. So he, he said something that's just brilliant, which is if you look at sight versus hearing, uh, if I'm watching, let's say, a baseball game, I'm a very passive participant here. I'm not doing anything. The, the players are playing. Or on the other side, if I'm viewing art, the art is passive, I'm active. Meaning one side is active, one side is passive. Whereas hearing, one person speaking and the other person see they're both active. You need both sides to really, you know, um, acquire true knowledge only through hearing. And this is fundamentally different than the rest of the world. Science will say otherwise. Science will say, no, you got to see it. Well, Torah and Judaism says, no, no, no. Hearing is the ultimate knowledge. To me, that's like everything in business. It's all about listening to people, hearing people, communicating effectively. That's everything. So that's just one example. But every single week, there's another lesson for business. And I share it. You know, obviously, my audience is 85% secular, if not, you know, not even Jewish. Um, but I've had hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know, of people reach out to me and be like, you, your posts, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe like start lighting Shabbat candles again. Your posts um, made me keep Shabbat for the first time in my life. Your posts are my only exposure to Torah. Like it's, it's been crazy. And again, I didn't, this isn't a strategy of mine. I didn't do this. I did it because I wanted to share a thought, but it's been, uh, it's been pretty impactful and I'm loving it. It's amazing. Wow. That's great. <laughs> I also had a follow-up question from before I meant to ask. Um, she mentioned like, I think what maybe Dan asked about like, what are like some keys you see if a business, like a startup is going to do well. And you mentioned resilience. Um, I guess I'm also curious, and this is like a big question and probably no one answer, but like, what are some key takeaways, all these startups you see, like you, you can kind of guess they're not going to do well. Yeah. If they play the short game, right. First of all, let's just start with, let's start, let's rewind. I had a call last night. Mm -hmm. You can't make this stuff up. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I had a call, a good kid, smart kid, 23 years old, pretty clueless, whatever. All good. We get on a call. This is how the conversation started. I, I kid you not. I'm not making this up. I promise. So Hillel, I want to build a business. I want to start a company. And now I'm doing research. What to start? I love your input. I'm like, what? I'm like, <laughs> your, your, your end game is to start a company? That's not an end game. That's a means to an end. Figure out a problem, solve the problem, and build yeah. a company. To, I want to build a company? That's, that's not a thing. You don't yeah. aim to build a company. So first of all, the question that I asked, and I literally wrote an article about this this morning. It's going to be published on Inc. Magazine tomorrow which is the most fundamental question you need to ask yourself. And by the way, not only entrepreneurs, but for sure entrepreneurs, but also people looking for jobs, also anyone. What is your end game? Like, what is your end game? So this kid who I was talking to was like, yeah, you know, I want to be, um, he's like, I want to build a company. I'm like, okay, why? What's your end game? Uh, well, I want to, you know, basically I want to be rich. I'm like, okay, you do realize that 98% chance you're going to fail and not make a dime, right? In fact, you'll probably lose money. Okay, well, I want, uh, I want to have independence with my time. I don't want to have to report to anyone. I'm like, you think building a startup, you'll have time? Like, that's the last <laughs> thing you'll have. He's like, well, I want to, um, what did he say? I want to, I want to have an impact. I want to have impact on this world. I'm like, dude, nine out of 10 startups have zero impact on this world. Like, it, the point was he really wanted something and he just assumed because all of us glorify tech that that's the avenue to get there. Whereas 
the reality is when I said, oh, and he's like, I don't want to enjoy myself. I'm like, dude, there's nothing less enjoyable than building a tech company. What are you even saying? Right? So by the end of the conversation, I'm like, bro, what you just said, what you really want to do, go build a law firm, go go to medical school, get, get a, build a, build a medical practice. You get your, your, your own boss. You could decide when to work you want. You make good money. You make an impact on this world and you enjoy yourself. Why the heck would you want to build a tech company? And, and it, it occurred to him that he just started the whole thing backwards, right? So first of all, when I sit with entrepreneurs, I ask them their end game. And if their end game is ridiculous, like I want to make a billion dollars, the chances of them succeeding are zero, like just straight up zero, right? But beyond that, like if they're looking for short-term gain, meaning yeah. immediate ROI, and they're not willing to play the long game, there's no way. Like startups are a long game. It, it, by definition, you know, it's at least a six, seven-year process, at least, right? So if you're a guy that like wants right now, it's never going to work. And this manifests in a million different ways. I mean, I just sat, I sat with someone today and I'm writing a post about this as soon as we finish this podcast. I met with this woman today who reached out on LinkedIn a couple of uh, weeks ago out of nowhere. I'd never spoken to her before. And she says, hey, uh, you know, I, I follow you. I love your post. Would you mind? Uh, would you be open or would you be interested in me doing an audit on your LinkedIn? Just give you feedback on your LinkedIn profile. I'm like, yeah, great. I'm like, what does it cost? Nothing. Okay. So she does it. Great feedback, right? I was like, oh, it's really nice of you. She goes, yeah, I'm doing this. You know, if any of your contacts want a LinkedIn audit, let me know. I'll do it for them for free. Great. Fantastic. Now, sh she realized this, but, you know, most people don't think this way. What she just did is she gave me a taste of her value. She gave me a peek into how amazing she is. Now what happens is, and this is how I built my whole career. What happens is now I need her or I want to work with her. And now she has the leverage. So when I come to companies and I say, what are your challenges? And they say, oh, we need press. I'm like, oh, let me introduce you to the press. We need an investor. Let me connect you to investors. They're like, how much? I'm like, I want zero. What happens? Everyone else, think about this. Every other business person, every other business model in the world is make a promise, monetize, and then hopefully deliver, right? Pay me for whatever, pizza, okay? I say, this pizza is the best pizza in the world. Pay me five bucks. Here's your pizza. I taste it. Hopefully it's good, right? You know, give me a PR. I promise you press, pay me. Okay, hopefully I'll deliver. I'm like, dude, that's the opposite. Let me deliver first and play the long game. And this woman, I met with her today. She's phenomenal. And I said to her, like, you gave me a taste of my own medicine. And I love it, right? So <laughs> think long-term, right? Instead of just promising like everyone else, how about deliver? Deliver real value, right? Then you could talk about monetization, but no one plays that long game. And that's a really clear sign of an entrepreneur that's not going to make it if they're looking for short-term wins versus long-term wins. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Dan, do you have a question? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in terms of, you know, your priorities just for yourself and for your business in the next three to six months, what does that look like for you? I'm just doing, I'm, I'm having a good time, man. Like, you know, about, <laughs> to answer my own question, what's my end game? This is my end game. If I could continue to 120 years doing what I love, meeting phenomenal people, you know, keeping my integrity, not compromising my relationships in any way, supporting my family, you know, being able to go away if I need to, or with the family, or if I want to buy my kids what they want. Like that's what, what else do you ask for? I mean, you know, that I'm sure you guys know the famous story about the uh, investment banker and the fisherman, you know, the story. Uh, oh, I was great, sorry. I, th I think I'll story. let you tell you, 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 you have a good way of telling your stories. It's a great you. story. It's a great story. So this, this, uh, this investment banker, uh, you know, he's made a billion dollars. He's, he's taken off some time and he goes to some remote village. He's sitting on the beach, drinking his margarita and a fisherman comes down with a basket and he watches this fisherman take his basket, go into the water, go fishing, catch, you know, some fish, put it in the basket. Then he goes up to the town, sells all the fish. And by 12 o'clock, Noon, he's with his family for the rest of the day, every single day. Comes down the next day with a basket, fills it up, goes fishing, spends the whole day with his family. After two weeks, this investment banker is losing it. He's like, dude, I'm sorry, this is not my place, but I have to say something. 
why don't you come down here with five baskets? So the fisherman's like, why? He's like, what do you mean why? Catch five times the, five times the fish. He goes, yeah, but for what? He's like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Five X your revenue. Okay, fine, but for what? He's like, I, he's like, I don't even understand your question, man. What are you talking about? Build a big company. He's like, yeah, but for what? He's like, go to New York, go public, make a billion dollars. But for what? Go build yourself a mansion. For what? So you could spend time with your family, right? What are we all doing here? What are we doing this for, right? So if I could continue doing what I do, supporting my family, you know, and, and just living the dream here in Israel, I, I could ask for nothing more. So to answer your question, what are the next six months, the next six years, and hopefully the next six decades look the same, the same way it looks now? So, so just in terms of, you know, from what you've seen, startups, you know, in Israel versus in the U.S. that are built in Silicon Valley, New York, or Austin, like what's the difference between is there or is there a difference between where startups are founded and the founders from these different countries? Do you guys watch uh, Nas Daily? You know Nas Daily, the the blogger. You know who that is. No. I've, I've heard so the Na name. Yeah. So Nas Daily is a Palestinian uh, guy. Uh, I was gonna say kid. He's not a kid. He's a guy who yeah. uh, does these one minute videos, and he was officially um, the biggest content producer on Facebook worldwide. Okay, he's he's amazing. Hmm. He's the nicest he's the nicest guy in the world. Really amazing. So he did a video the other day that I found fascinating. It wasn't anything that was like a, you know, mind blowing, like something I didn't already knew. No, I knew it, but it, the way he presented it was brilliant. He goes, see this, he goes, you see this bottle of water? He's holding up a, a, a bottle of water. He goes, you see this bottle of water? Because of this bottle of water, I just opened my office in San Francisco. And you're like, okay, now you hooked you in. He's like, what does that mean? Like, where are you, you're, now you're watching, right? Which is good marketing. And he goes, listen, this bottle of water, if I go to this, if I go to my grocery store down the block, cost me a dollar fifty. If I go to the, you know, if I go to a museum, the same bottle of water, 350. You go to an airport, seven bucks. How is that possible? It's the same water. The answer is location. Location changes the value, right? By definition, it's just the way the world works. So he said, I had my office in Singapore and Dubai. I'm now opening an office in San Francisco because my company is now worth X amount more, more money just because I'm here, right? So of course, location affects, you know, the value of a company. Um, you know, as of a couple of years ago, if you have a, a startup in Israel and it's worth X, you get on a plane for 15 hours to SF and it's 10X, right? If not more, which was kind of frustrating to Israelis. Uh, but in an ironic kind of twist of events, it's not, what's not the term? That's not the phrase. It's twist of events, spin of events. Anyway, the tables <laughs> have turned. And that is that what happened was that in, in SF and the rest of the world, the markets are correcting themselves. And all these companies that were, you know, inflated and like were valued at a ridiculous number that had zero correlation to their revenue are now crashing and burning and they're down rounds and they're laying everyone off. And in Israel where valuations were always conservative, we're still suffering. Don't get me wrong. It's still a hard market, but from where I'm sitting and maybe I'm just an optimistic cup half full kind of guy from where I'm sitting, Israel's in a way better place than the rest of these ecosystems. That's number one. So just valuations. But um, I just find that like, you know, Israel, I just find the, the level of like brilliance and, and creativity yeah. and, I, listen, I love Silicon Valley. When I go there, I'm like in I'm like in a, I'm like in a candy store, right? I love it. But I don't know. There's something special about the energy here and the the entrepreneurial kind of spirit here in Israel. Um, and uh, it's you know, again, like I feel like I'm in a kid in a candy store every single day. I'm meeting these people that are just like, how did you come up with that idea? Like yeah. that is crazy, dude. Like that is not normal for a human brain to have thought about that you know like and i see these things all the time so that's that's a big difference i mean again there is creativity in silicon valley don't get me wrong one more thing that i think is a difference that i've noticed is that in silicon valley tech is life right 
everything you do in Silicon Valley is done via tech. You order food, you order a car, you order dry cleaning, you order, I don't know, you know, a, a messenger, whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it with tech. In Israel, there's still a separation. In Israel, there's still the tech world and the falafel stands, right? There's still that separation. So it's not total overlap. It's not like, um, you know, tech is complete life in mainstream Israel. It's not. So there is that separation. And I find that to be a little bit of a difference as well. I actually have a question of, from when you just mentioned. Since you meet all these different people, these entrepreneurs, startups, business people in Silicon Valley and Israel, elsewhere, what's like the, and then we'll have to wrap up afterwards, but what's like the um, the coolest, craziest idea you've you've heard that you're allowed to tell oh, us? That's, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an easy answer, man. You got to challenge me a little bit. That's an easy uh. answer. <laughs> there's, a, there's an American, uh, American entrepreneur who lives in Yerushalayim named Tuvia Elbaum, who I, again, I don't know how he came up with this idea because like what the actual heck, but if you think about all the devices that we all use, they've all evolved, right? Everything's evolved except for one device that we all use and we freaking hate. That's the printer. The printer has not evolved. Why the heck not? The answer is because a printer needs to be the size of a piece of paper because you got to put the paper in so it can't be much smaller. So there's not much wiggle room. Comes along two of your album and says, wait a second, why do you even need to put the paper into the printer? And you're like, well, how else is it going to print? And he's like, well, I have a better idea. And the guy built a robotic mobile printer that it fits in the palm of your hand and walks on paper and prints. Wow. How's that for creative? <laughs> Amazing. That's pretty creative. Creative. It's wow. like, who even thinks like, like <laughs> what? Like a walking printer. Like what? <laughs> that's Israel. Yeah, wow. that's amazing. Well, Hillel, thank you so much for your time. Do you mind sharing your website or how somebody can reach out to you? Hillelfold.com or literally just Google. <laughs> just Google my name. That's, the, the internet is my business card, as we say. Sounds great. Well, thanks again. And thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Thank you for having me, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.